Yo, what's good, y'all? My name is Chris Shreve, a.k.a. C. Shreve the Professor. Welcome to another episode of Who Needs a Classroom podcast. Today's focus will once again be biostatistics. This will be the third installment in this series. Today's focus will be summarizing data. Last time we were talking about biostats, we were finishing up talking about the challenge being for your sample to be accurately representative of the population you're studying. And so let's imagine we have our test data back from our, you know, our test group and our control group, or our cohorts or our, our survey results or whatever data source we have. If we have that now, we need to classify it and organize it and kind of just put it into a spreadsheet and figure out a way to start looking for trends, right? So as we do that, we need to organize it with these, these different scales. So um, one easy scale would be a nominal scale. So this is used if we're doing anything from hair color to zip code to social security number. If we're, you know, have, say have a bunch of student data, we might put hometown and say we have some common hometowns. We might have like the top five, like one through five. It doesn't necessarily mean that much that say Greensboro is one and two is Charlotte and three is Asheville, et cetera, in our grouping. It just kind of means that that's where they're from. And we use that number. Just like say we have for hair color, number one is brown, two is black, three is uh, blonde, four is red, so on. If we have it like that, it doesn't necessarily mean they're ranked. It just means they now become a number because it's more effective sometimes to put things into numerical kind of classification. So that's a nominal scale. When we add order to it, that's an ordinal scale. So if we say somebody exercises at a low, medium, or high volume, one, two, three, it'd have an order to it. If we say somebody, you know, if they are in first place, right, in their conference, um, and then second and third and so on, or if we say in health, we would say something is the second cause of death for this age group, right? So we don't know necessarily how many deaths are caused by that, by that second ranking, but we know it's second. You know, we, we know it's up there. So it tells you the order. So we can have ordinal types of data. Um, there are definitely other examples. I'm trying to think of another ordinal example. I guess you could have anything with ranking. So you could have like, if, you're, if you said uh, with blood pressure, you could have hypertensive, prehypertensive, normotensive. So like one, two, three. Or if you had, um, it could be stress level. Anything, anything with this kind of, it's like a low, medium, and high. And so instead of having the actual, you know, kind of metric of minutes of exercise per week, you've kind of classified it into these ordered groups of a one, two, three. And some folks choose to do it the other way. They might want to keep it as a continuous variable and look at exercise in terms of minutes or in terms of, you know, miles run or whatever this thing might be. There's different ways to look at this. So if we look at the nominal ordinal side, that's qualitative data. When we look at the miles, the minutes, if it's height, weight, those type of metrics, that is quantitative, okay? And so with the quantitative side, you can do things in a way uh, mathematically that you can't do with your qualitative data. You know, if you just kind of have a low, medium, and high, averaging them doesn't work out quite the same way it does if you're looking at, you know, minutes or height or weight, something like that. So in terms of quantitative, we also can break things down into discrete 
and continuous. You could also call discrete discontinuous. But the difference there mainly being in continuous, we can have essentially fractions or kind of, you know, on the, the ruler can be divided up into these tiny, tiny parts. Whereas if we're saying, you know, games missed, it's like a whole game. If we're talking about days missed from work, it's usually a whole day. It could be a half day sometimes, but a lot of times it's a whole day. If we talk about, you know, deaths, if we talk about cases of coronavirus, you know, it's, it's a case or it's not a case, that type of thing. So these are whole numbers, so they're discontinuous. They're kind of all or nothing, that type of thing. Um, and so, again, both can be done, can be utilized mathematically, but one has this metrical quality that's a little different um, than this discrete, you know, discrete and uh, discontinuous is definitely different than continuous. So, okay, so that should break down these different scales. A couple of the big ones being, again, the um, qualitative to quantitative, and then within qualitative, nominal and ordinal, and then within quantitative, you got your continuous and your discrete. Cool. Um, all right, so... Well, I, was, I guess I was thinking of in this lecture, I have some notes here. I was thinking of, uh, I used to do this lecture and I would demonstrate because the last class we would have been talking about sampling and I would do like a mathematical demonstration of how sampling works. And usually we're looking at like this big spreadsheet. I'm kind of doing this for a podcast, so it's different than if I was teaching on a big board in class. And so we would be looking at maybe an overhead of a huge spreadsheet and kind of pulling some data from it. And so maybe this data has like a hundred different subjects and we have all different types of data for them. We got blood pressure and exercise data and smoking, all these different like health variables. And then, so we can pull out what we have, whatever we want from it. And so we don't need to pull out all 100, but we can pull out a sample of five or 10 and kind of look at it and see, does it represent the whole hundred? And sometimes our five or 10 does. Usually 10 or more definitely does, but sometimes five can be a little unpredictable because you might have a couple outliers. And that's one of the things we talk about in statistics is outliers, how they can really kind of skew your point of view of what's going on. And so you can even see that with, within a sample of five or 10 very easily. And so it kind of shows you the power of random sampling, which was one of the key things last time. So I had that as a little note here um, to kind of connect this lecture to the uh, previous biostats information was um, normally if we were in class, we would do a, a sampling demo, but uh, it's harder to do. Um, over a podcast, but I think I am going to finish with one in some form today, so we'll see. Okay, so one of the first easy ways you might organize your data would be in some type of a figure, some type of a table or a graph, some way of, you know, displaying your information in a way that can show its shape, right? If you put things in a table with different categories and classifications, you can somehow show that we had this many more, you know, folks here and here, as opposed to, you know, this other part of the distribution. Um, you can take that frequency table very easily. You can turn it into a histogram. Um, that histogram is basically, it kind of looks like a bar chart. Um, if somebody hasn't really looked at these different figures, they almost say it was a bar chart. But then you can turn that histogram very easily into a frequency polygon. A polygon is just a shape, right? So like a, like a bell curve is basically a frequency polygon. And so these, these curves you see when we talk about, you know, uh, at the beginning of Corona, you know, flattening the curve, and you hear, still hear that talked about um, via so social distancing, et cetera. That's the curve we're talking about is, is a frequency curve, trying to find a way to instead of, have, instead of having this huge peak, finding a way to flatten that. 
I've done a little YouTube video on that before, and I've mentioned it on here a couple of times, I think. So these are just, way, just ways of displaying the data, you know, in a way that a person can get it faster. That's one of the goals and stats is how can we how can we present this faster to somebody who doesn't study this at the level that the scientists do so that they can get the, the, the take-home message faster. And so if we can graph it better, they, they get it faster, that type of deal. So two of our kind of summary categories we have when we're looking at data are, are the measures of central tendency and the measures of variation. So we'll talk about each of those kind of separately. But you've, you're familiar probably with several of these as we go through them. So um, when we're talking about central tendency, something as simple as an average or a mean would be that central tendency type of thing that we're talking about. And so think about if you calculate a mean. So we want to figure out, you know, that average, you know, points per game. It's, you know, he had five games. He had this many points in this game. Add it to this game, to this game, all five of them up. Divided by five, right? There's your average. So a mean, the average value. Now, when you think about this compared to these other values we're going to get to, this one truly has math involved. So if we look at those five games, and one of your five games, you scored twice as much as usual, that's going to affect the math in a way that it may not affect some of these other viewpoints. So the thing with the mean is it's very sensitive mathematically to outliers, to real high or low scores. A lot of you might remember at some point in school, maybe you missed a quiz or missed a test or an assignment and got a zero, and like you didn't want to have the zero averaged in, right? It brought your grade down. So you wanted to get that made up so at least it wasn't a zero. So this is that same idea. Now we can also have the median. So the median is just the middlemost value in a set of numbers. So this is different than the math. This means if we have, you know, 99 numbers, then we have, or let's say 101 numbers. You have 101 numbers, then the middle value is the one that has 50 above it and 50 below it. You know, it's, it's just the middlemost value, which is different than the mathematical value of the mean. And so we used to always talk a lot about why some you know, situations use a median. Think of median home price. Why do we do that? Because on your block, there might be this million dollar home that inflates the average home cost to a different value than, to a different value than is accurate. And so median makes more sense in that situation. And there's lots of situations. Um, salaries make sense in this case. If you average in the corporate CEO's salary to the rest of your salaries, you don't get an average picture of what's happening in your company. So in some situations, median makes more sense. Um, some situations, mean makes more sense. So if you want to calculate the median, just take your, take your numbers, say of 10 values, order them from high to low. And then in the case of even numbers, um, you might average the middle two values. You know, you'll see how it works out. Sometimes it works out to where you have kind of a tie. You have to average those sometimes. That's okay. If it's odd, there's a true middle a lot of the time. Um, Again, I'm doing this kind of just in the air without having a dry erase board or my math stuff with me. So it's just uh, bear with me here. Um, also, in the case of uh, central tendency, we could have mode. Mode is just your most repeated value. So at a, at a, um, at a corporation, oftentimes if an employee wants to know a, a good value for salary, mode can be helpful because a lot of times there's kind of one rank of employee that has they have lots of, and so mode can sometimes be helpful. That might be the, the salary they're going to get if they're kind of that intro level that there's so many of. 
So the mode is the most frequent observation. It kind of by um, definition is also the peak of that of that curve. Um, when you're looking at your frequency, it's usually a frequency polygon. It's going to be the peak of the frequency data. So the mode tends to be, is that freak, <laughs> freak, is that frequency peak. There we go. All right. So the opposite of central tendency, which if you think about it, is kind of the clustering in the middle, right? The average or the mean or the mode is in the middle of the kind of grouping. We, on the opposite end, we have variation. So variation is how like, distributed the data is, how far away is the high point, the, how far away is the low point, how scattered is it? So something with high variance is kind of the opposite of something with a high level of, of central tendency. So a few measures of variation. Uh, one simple one is range. That's just your high and your low. Um, it gives you a very basic idea of kind of the distance of that distribution, how far out did it go. It's a real kind of simple one. Not that useful. Obviously, you're just checking the outliers. But it does give you an idea of you know, how bad, like if it's a test score when I used to teach in class, it'd be how, how good did somebody do and how horrible did somebody do. You know, you could have 100, but you might have a 27 or whatever it was for your low. So it's helpful, but the range is, is just a beginning of kind of um, looking at it. Much more useful is standard deviation and variance. These are closely related ones, the square root of the other. Essentially, um, variance is the square of the um, standard deviation. So the S equals standard deviation. The S squared is variance. So this one is hard to do just audibly, but not really. If, if you had a, um, basically if you had some columns in front of you or a, you could have an Excel spreadsheet if you needed one, but you don't really need that. Just take, we're going to do the example here and we're going to say we have, um, you know, like the finals, seven games. And we're going to say Michael Jordan is the guy I'm going to say, but you, it could be Steph Curry or LeBron James or whoever you want. But we'll say we have seven games of data. All right, we're going to say the guy, I'll say Michael Jordan here. His, his, his uh, totals here were 33, 24, 45, 52, 36, 30, and 41. So those are his seven totals. Okay, so if we want to calculate standard deviation, the first thing we figure out is mean. What's the average? So add all those up. I get 261 for his total points scored. I divide it by seven games. He had 37.3 per game. Mm, mean stats, right? Okay, so then... We take each, each uh, individual game's score, or his score. So first one is 33 points. And then I find the difference of that and the average of 37.3. So the difference there is 4.3. doesn't matter if it's negative or positive because I'm going to square it in a second. So difference there is 4.3. The difference in the, the time you had the second game, you had 24 points. So the difference there is 13.3. I'm going to square all those. So if you did columns here, the second column ends up being that difference of each one, and then the square will be the next column. And then you add up all those squares, right? Those are the differences squared. Um, and then you take that big number, which is the sum of all of these different, uh, basically deviations, they're the differences from the mean. You take that sum and you divide by one less than your sample size, n minus one. When you do that, you get a variance of 89.9. You get a standard deviation of 9.48. What does all that mean? Well, the 9.48 is the useful one. It's the standard deviation. And that means that any time that, in this case, Michael Jordan, if he scored more than 9.5 points above this 37.3, 
or if he scored below that, those were kind of outside the normal range. Those kind of define the normal range. The standard deviation defines the middle chunk of the bell curve. The bell curve, the normal distribution, is kind of this assumption we make about a lot of different versions of statistics and predicting probabilities. And so when we look at the standard deviation, this nine and a half point mark for its sta this standard deviation over the seven games equals kind of the range of normal, so to speak. When you get outside one standard deviation, it's, it's kind of like, okay, this is almost noteworthy. If we get outside two standard, devia standard deviations, we're getting way out there. So in this case, nine and a half points, as he gets outside almost 10 points, if he gets above like 47 or below 27, they're notable. So in this case, what was notable? Maybe that 24-point game, he kind of went way below his average. Not really, it's not a bad game, but it's way below his average over these seven games. What was a big game? The 52-point game. In that case, he was definitely way above average. But the other ones all fell within the normal range. How is this useful? Well, it's useful if you were looking at, if I'm looking as a rapper over, over seven shows, what my income is, and maybe my cost, and maybe the net, you know, maybe the mileage, or looking at some, some version of stats, you know, maybe it's income ratio to mileage, whatever it might be. And then realizing, okay, these are, way, these are all way worth it, but this one has much different value to it. Sometimes knowing what your outliers are, realizing, wow, this one is a very different scenario than the rest. That might help a person like Jordan or LeBron or whoever, or Curry, whoever, you're, you know, choose your pick. Um, it might help you to assess your performance. What they do maybe not as well on that 24-point night? What they really do well on that 52-point night? But it's different ways of assessing performance. It helps you to summarize these performances and let you know what norms are for you. And these norms, these, you know, your statistical kind of normal occurrences help you to kind of make sense of what's happening, um, especially as you're performing more and more. If you're a, a salesman on the road, you want to know what helps to close the deal, you know, which different scenarios help you to seal, you know, and have high, seal the deal and have the highest level of success for yourself. Those things matter. So tendencies and trends in your data matter. So we're introducing the idea of the normal curve. We're going to talk more about that less, uh, more about that next time. Um, really just kind of want to introduce that one this time. Um, but if you were looking at a curve, right, sometimes it's this bell curve, but sometimes it kind of has a tail to one side or the other. That's called skewness. When that happens, it's, it's really kind of having a number of outliers kind of pulling you up to the high side of the graph or, or the other way. You know, it's kind of, so it's really kind of skewing your data. The one that's the most affected by that is going to be your mean. It's going to be affected by those outliers, again, because the math is really what's happening with the mean. Uh, and in those cases where we have some skewed data, the median is going to be a much more effective measure of central tendency for us. Um, so standard deviation is kind of our our standard, as it says, it's kind of our gold standard for um, measuring variance. We also have coefficient of variation, which can be used um, when you're breaking down kind of the effectiveness of a measurement tool, like a scale. You want your measurements to fall within a certain range or not, not outside a certain range so that you know that the scale is really on point and being as accurate as possible. So in those cases, coefficient of variation can get used, but um, by far, the most common measure of variation is going to be standard deviation. So if you look at that 
example of, of seven um, games and you could create any seven data points you want or more than seven, but it's a pretty simple process. And I used to make the kids do it kind of by hand in class because it helps to teach you that this, it's, it's just the same as the, the average. It's, a, it's slightly more you know, sophisticated version of the average, but it's just the numbers. It's not like, you know, magical, you know, uh, like the calculator really did something crazy. It's just, it's simple kind of differences squared, summed, and kind of averaged. And then um, you end up with this, this item that really tells you kind of how your information is distributed across, a dis, you know, this frequency graph. And that's very helpful. So go talk some more about that next time because the kind of most commonly used form of this is the normal distribution or the, the bell curve, so to speak. And so this just, you know, the standard deviation stuff is kind of an intro to that because it really defines how the curve is distributed because this normal curve is kind of plus one, plus two, plus three standard deviations. And so the way you calculate that is kind of key. So um, sometimes when we do the math in, in class, it would lose people. So I kind of wish I could do it, but maybe it's better that I can't because it might have lost a bunch of y'all anyway. Me talking about it probably lost half y'all anyway, so... Um, hope y'all are well. Um, the reason we uh, summarize data is because it helps people to look real quick at the news and know where corona numbers are going. Should they go to the beach? Should they you know, stay home? Those type of things. It helps folks make decisions. So um, we see this so much. We see, you know, where's the curve going? Is it up going? Is it going down? What does that curve represent is a frequency or a number, you know, in data piece over time. The bottom is time, you know, oftentimes advancing through time. So where is the daily trend going? If it's going down, then those, num those days are lower than the day before. If it's going back up, it's the reverse. So those things are important. Uh, I wanted to talk about this a little bit of how this, you know, how they come about with, with these data points. So I wanted to introduce some of these pieces of terminology with, you know, standard deviation variance mean, median, all these things. They're helpful, but they can sometimes be a little bit overwhelming to people for some reason. So kind of wanted to break them down. Hopefully that was uh, not too confusing and, and somewhat clear and concise because it is uh, different without the, the whiteboard. Maybe I would have done that better on YouTube, but that's all right. So, uh, you know, who needs a classroom? You do. I do. We all do. Uh, next week, I'm not sure if it'll be biostats or just kind of a normal episode. We'll see. Uh, but hope y'all are well. Um, take care of the folks around you. Take care of yourself. Get your shots. I've got my second shot now, and I'm just kind of waiting for it to, to fully take, as they say. Um, hope it takes. Um, yeah, so hope y'all are well. Y'all be good. Peace. <music>